Okay, uh, so uh, everybody. Uh, now we're going to uh, discuss something nothing to do with Shloshim Yom Kodem Achag, uh, but it's just something that I think is always a good thing to know. A lot of times very firm and otherwise learned people, including many Rabbanim, don't know the first thing about Safras, and it's therefore hard to know when you're getting a good mezuzah or a bad one. And uh, we, of course, cannot learn in 10 minutes the halachas of Safras, or certainly not enough to make a dent in our knowledge, but we can accomplish something. What I think we can accomplish is the following. There are certain basic things that even a layman, that anyone can eyeball a mezuzah and be able to tell certain things about it, that uh, there's no excuse that all of us should be able to, uh, to be able to tell certain things about the general quality. Now, will you be able to know necessarily is a kosher, is a puzzle, is a mudar? No, but you'll get a sense of whether, if, when you know just certain basic facts, uh, you'll get a sense of whether it's the kind of uh, mezuzah that you want. The second thing, uh, there are two other points I want that I think it's important to keep in mind. First of all, it's always helpful in life to know somebody who's a sofer stam, who's a recognized expert and can help you figure things out, not just your uh, local rabbi who often doesn't know the, uh, he, he often buys mezuzahs the same way you do, uh, and, and also in important to be mindful of where you're buying your mezuzahs. You know, you go to a Judaica store, so they have these beautiful mezuzah cases, so they also have to hold the paper that goes inside of them. So they carry that also, but they don't know anything about it. They don't know where they got it from. They don't know what uh, quality is. They can't tell you anything about it. Whereas if you buy from a sofa stamp, so the person takes pride in his work. He knows what he's produced. He knows so that it's a, it's a whole different field. It's a whole different uh, chance of what exactly you're going to buy. So the first thing you could, you could do, I'm going to uh, highlight three things over here three things to uh, to look at. First thing you could do is that you have to do is to be able to identify the style of ksav of the uh, mezuzah. There are essentially three styles of ksav. There's the Sephardic ksav, which is ksav velish. There's the Beis Yosef, and there's the Arizal. So uh, we're going to focus on Beis Yosef and Arizal. All of them are technically kosher, but you should follow your minuk. So if you're a regular Ashkenazi guy, you should follow the uh, the ksav Beis Yosef. Also, Beis Yosef is the only ksav that's kosher lechaladeos. So when you're looking for uh, for a mezuzah, let's say you're going to want to look, or for tefillin for that matter, you're going to want to look for something that has ksav Beis Yosef. So it's, it's very easy to be able to tell the difference between ksav Arizal and ksav Beis Yosef. There are essentially seven letters that are different, but the easiest thing to look at is the following. If you look at a ches, or uh, on Ksav Beis Yosef, it's two Zions that are put together, that are bridged together, as opposed to a Zion and a Vav that are bridged uh, together. If you look at an Ayin in Ksav Beis Yosef, so you have the uh, you know the long arm of the ayin, then the arm that sticks out on the left side of the ayin is a zayin. In Ksavarizal, the arm that sticks out on the left side is a vav. The same with the shin. The arm on the left side is it a zayin or a vav? That's how you could tell whether it's Ksav Beis Yosef or Ksavarizal. And with uh, tzadi and with uh, tes, there are a number of there are a difference in, in Ksav Beis Yosef and Ksavarizal is the aleph. The aleph on the Beis Yosef has a yud on the bottom left. The bottom left is just an upside down yud. But in Arizal, it's more similar to a uh, so Beis Yosef, another difference is that a Beis Yosef Vav doesn't have a tag on the top, but an Arizal Vav has a little tag on the top. The, the uh, halach is that the letters Shatnas Gets, Shin, Ayin, Tes, Nun, Zayin, Gimel, Tzadi have three Ziyunim. That's a Medina de Gemara, that they have three Zayins on the tops of those letters. And then there's a practice that we have that the letters Chayabedek have a tag on the tops of the, those letters. And then the remaining letters are the letters of Melech Sofer. Those letters don't have a tag. So the letters of Melech HaSofer, including the Vav, in Beis Yosef won't have any tag on the top, but in Arizal will have a tag on the top. Another thing is that in Ksav Arizal, the right side of a tzaddik is a backwards yud, meaning the top 
little piece of the tzaddik on the right side is a backwards yud. But in Beis Yosef, it's a normal yud, not a backwards yud. So there's a discussion in Poskim whether the Arizal even held really that it's a backwards yud. This stipler, as a letter, I heard all of this, almost everything I'm saying today, I heard from in a shir from Rabbi Yisrael Reisman that he gave recent, recently. The, uh, the, the, uh, I should have mentioned that earlier. The Arizal, um, um, uh, the, uh, there's a discussion whether the Arizal really, really held that way. The stipler has a letter where he says that you need to have a normal yud on the right side of the tzaddi, and if you do it backwards, then you're suffik harkafta de lamanach tefillin. That it's uh, could be that it's a psul in the uh, the tefillin. And he said, and the the stipler put to rest any rumors that the chaznish held otherwise. And he said, uh, I could tell you, he's my brother-in-law. He didn't hold otherwise. That the chaznish held this way as well. But again, the uh, simplest way, just by eyeballing it, take a look at a ches, take a look at a at, at an ayin, and just look, take a look at a shin, and just look at the left arm and see, is it a zayin or is it a vav? If you see it's a zayin, then it's a uh, then it's a Beis Yosef Ksav. If you see it's a Vav, then it's an Arizal Ksav. Very simple to look. Any Anyone who knows the difference between a Vav and a Zion can look at those things and be able to tell immediately who's right, by the way. Is the Beis Yosef right? Or is the Arizal right? So uh, there is a Gemara that seems to say very clearly that the Beis Yosef is right. The Gemara Masech Shabbos says, discusses, what if not the Gagos Shalches, Vaso Zayan and Mahu. When it talks about Kosef on Shabbos, so if you Kosef Shteyosios on Shabbos, you're Chayef. So the Gemara says, what if you take away the roof that connects the two halves of the Ches? And you therefore made it into two Zions. Is that a Malach of Kosev? Well, according to the Arizal, you would not have made it into two Zions. You would have made it into a Zion and a Vav, not two Zions. So the Gemara is explicit, like the uh, like the Beis Yosef. So the Mukabalim say, yeah, in Taurus Nigla, it's explicit like the Beis Yosef, and Taurus Nistar is explicit like the Arizal. So that's fine. That's uh, you know okay. Um, but uh, but again, you should follow your uh, your minhag. Another thing to look at that's even easier to look at is look at the size of the mezuzah. Often people will buy mezuzahs that match the size of the very beautiful case that they got as a gift from somebody. And sometimes those beautiful cases are uh, very, very tiny. So they try to buy these tiny mezuzahs. Now there is no halacha that demands that a mezuzah be a certain size. Magen Avram in Simitav Reishayim Beis writes that when it comes to Neros Hanukkah, that there's a hidr to have longer Neros. But we don't have such a thing, uh, such an explicit statement anywhere by mezuzah. However, the metzius is that if you have one of these teen tiny six centimeter mezuzahs they're usually puzzle or very very bidiyavet. Rav Vazner has a tshuva in Chelek Dalit of Shevet Alevi Simon Kuf Mem where he writes B'ksav katan are yadua me'en yisayon she'kasha limtso mezuzah katan k'shera k'ilchsa l'chalchila it's difficult to find any small mezuzah that's kasha l'chalchila u'lerov him nechtavim al yidei sofrim borim v'reikim v'em liolim v'savik puzzle. They usually they're written by sofrim who don't know anything. You have to realize there are a lot of people in Israel that know Hebrew and and, uh, are very artistic, so uh, but they don't know the first thing about halacha. So they write mezuzahs, they do it very quickly, and they, uh, and they uh, that's how they make the money. There were even uh, reported cases of Arabs who were writing mezuzahs because they knew all the letters. They uh, they grew up in Israel. They know uh, they know the Hebrew language, and they don't know anything. They don't know anything. That, obviously, it's pasle, but they don't know any. They don't know anything. Uh, so so it's uh, so if you have a very tiny mezuzah, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it is, but it's a higher chance that it's not done properly. Also, smaller mezuzahs means that it takes a great a much greater greater level of expertise to be able to form the letters uh, properly. So on average, a 15 centimeter mezuzah is going to be much more mahudar than a 10 centimeter mezuzah. So we, there's no din that a mezuzah has to be big, but if you say, look at a mezuzah and it's very tiny, you, you should ask for a bigger one to uh, to look at. And then the third thing, to, so again, the first thing is just to identify the ksav, Yosef or Arizal. Second thing is just look at the size, and that will give you some uh, some uh, indication. And third thing is um, that to look at certain common mistakes. 
makes. That's so from make. And uh, just to see the overall quality. So Reisman identified five or six common mistakes that, uh, that so from make. Number one is as far as a lamid. How, what's a lamid? A lamid is a chaf with a vav on top. Now, a sofer is a big yetzerhara to make it a chaf with a yud on top. Because since the lamid it can stick up too far and it could hit the line on top of it, so in order to fit it, they, they'll, they'll shrink the, uh, you know, the, the top part of the lamid. But that could pass the lamid. If it's, a, if it's the shape of a yud and not the shape of a vav, that could pass the lamid. A lamid also has to have a flat bottom that's below kulmus, so we don't do it as wide as the top, but the, it has to have like a moshav. It has to have like a, you know, the bottom of a lamid. It's got to be a chaf. It's got to have a moshav on the, uh, the bottom. Another uh, point that's also very easy to eyeball is that the letter gimel is supposed to have its right leg slightly lower than the left leg. So if you see that that's not the case, then that's uh, that's a problem. Another thing it's easy to, to tell, the the bays, the top right of the letter bays should have a corner and should not uh, be rounded. So what they do is they they have a little stick sticking out to accent the fact that it's not rounded, right? Uh, sticking out off of the corner of the top right of the bays. Mishan Bruce seems to assume that that would be a psul if you don't have that. The samuch. Uh, an, another issue, uh, a samach is, is, is curved on both sides. That's what makes it a samach. Uh, a memsophis, an endemem, is, is squared on, uh, on both sides. Now, what about a regular mem? So the Kesses HaSofer says that a mem should be written in a way that if you would close the gap, it would turn into a memsophis. It would turn into uh, the, the endemem. If you would close off the, uh, the, the, the gap in between, that means that the bottom right of the mem also must be squared, that it can't be rounded. And that's a common mistake that so from make that they round it almost like a samach, the bottom right of the mem. Uh, and the final uh, thing that's easy to look at is the Gemara talks about kutso shal yud. So we paskin that besides the fact that the top and the bottom uh, right uh, the, uh, of the yud have a kutso shal yud, the bottom left of the yud should have something that sticks down a tiny drop from the bottom left of the yud that sticks out just a drop. If the kutso shal yud is too long, it turns the yud into a halachic ches. It's a very narrow leg, but it could turn it into a halachic ches, and that would be a problem, because the little stick on the left side goes too far down. It has the tzura of a ches. Um, the chesam silver holds that you don't need something sticking down, you just need it to be very clearly squared off on the, uh, the, bottom, uh, the bottom left of the yud. Um, but uh, certainly uh, we try not to rely on that chesam sofer l'chadchila, and that's something you could easily see just by, again, opening a mezuzah and taking a look. Now, if you look at these things, will you know for sure that uh, the mezuzah is kosher? No. Uh, will you know for sure that the mezuzah is Puzzle often yes. I mean you'll be able to, and 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 oftentimes you'll just be able to know the general quality. You'll be able to get a sense of whether this is a mezuzah worth uh, worth looking at and worth uh, worth purchasing. Now you may notice, for example, that in some mezuzahs that there's some ksav beis yosef and some ksavari, right? That some of the letters are mixed. You're looking at an ayin over there, it's ksav beis yosef, and over there is ksavari. What's going on over here? So there's a shaila whether that's a psul or not. Ramaisha calls it that it's manumer if you have it like that. That it's uh, that it's a problem of uh, of it being manumer and it's possible, but uh, generally speaking what most possible would assume that that's not, that's not a psal, but I can guarantee you that mezuzah is possible, meaning that's not a psal, but anyone who does, who's so clueless that he's uh, switching off between Ksavari and Ksavis Yosef as he's writing a mezuzah, obviously he's, uh, doesn't know what he's doing, so that's obviously going to be a psal. So, Lemaisa, if you want a decent mezuzah, it's important to be a little bit educated and to be willing to spend a lot of money. Um, it, it, it takes time to write a mezuzah. Who's going to, uh, you know, charge $50 for something that takes them 
them time to do. Plus, it has to go through Haggah, and they have to add all of the tagging. So it takes time. So uh, you, you, nowadays, you got to be. Uh, you have to know where to go uh, to, to buy from people who have some pride in their work, to have a little bit of an idea of what you're looking at, and to be prepared to spend a lot of money. It's worth it. You leave it on your house forever and ever, and uh, usually it won't become puzzle. It's uh, whatever puzzle you have in the mezuzah will probably always there. So it's a worthwhile investment. Okay.